Loving God, once again, we ask that you will make your presence known to us. And we would even boldly pray that tonight it would be in a way that we have never experienced before. Gracious God, you love us. We claim that right now. We have sung it. We have heard the words from scripture. And Lord, now we want to claim it, have it live in our hearts. Thank you for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you listened to the scripture, and you might have wondered if I got mixed up, and it was from Christmas rather than Easter. But hopefully you noticed then the scripture that it talks about the names that Jesus will carry when he walks this earth. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The authority will be on him. He is full of grace and truth. That is the character of Jesus. But you might have already said, didn't we just do Christmas? How can it be Easter already? Well, certainly it's a short time on the calendar, but when we think about Jesus' life, it was a life-changing period of time. So much happened during Jesus' life. And we might ask, why did the things happen? Because we're here tonight, and no one cannot see that cross. That's the reason that we're here because God called us precious, loved. What wonderful names about our character. Six weeks ago, we gathered in this spot to receive ashes, a reminder of our mortality. For many, it was a difficult night. I don't think anyone likes to be reminded that this life no matter how long, is much too short. But the good news of Ash Wednesday is that that's not the end of the story. There's much ahead for us. And tonight we focus on Jesus' gift of the Lord's Supper and the meaning of God's love that deeply impacts each one of our lives. Tonight we remember Jesus' gift and I think Jesus gave us this supper and said, do this in remembrance of me because he knows us so well and we need to be reminded over and over and over again what was done for us. Because when we forget, we are not the people that God created us to be. He died on the cross for the world, that's clearly said in John 3.16. But we, you and me, we're part of that world. And he left us a way to remember the sacrifice of his love for the world, for you, for me. Now you may be thinking, really? For me? Others maybe, but 
not for me. One of my favorite scriptures is from the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord. I like that because when we hear thus says the Lord, you listen up because it's important words that are coming. Thus says the Lord, I have called you by name. You are mine. You are precious in my sight and I love you. And I think the reason it's my favorite is because I need to hear that again and again and again. Because perhaps you, like me, often think, oh God, if you only knew what lies in my heart sometimes, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. And then I remember it says, I have called you by name and you are mine. And what that tells me is that Names matter. So what is in a name? The significance of the name in the Bible is much different than I think what we claim for today. In the Bible, it has the ability to confer affluence or reputation. For the Hebrews, it wasn't just a way of labeling or distinguishing one person from another. A person's name was viewed as equivalent to that person themselves. A person's name signified their worth, their character, their reputation, their authority, their ownership. You know, if you spoke in the name of a person, it signified authority. If you named something, it indicated that person's ownership. If you forgot God's name, it was the same as to depart from him. To name someone's name over and over meant you had some power over them. So that it wasn't often that you would easily tell somebody's name without getting to know them. And if you blotted out someone's name, it was to destroy that person. Naming in the Bible meant a lot more than just a group of letters put together to make a certain sound. It is so significant, yet it's still hard for us to capture the deep significance because it's not the same in our culture. Although I must admit, when people are expecting a baby, suddenly names become very important. And I admit, I googled babies' names. And did you know there were 2,990,000 responses if you wanted to learn about a baby's name? Do you know what the, the number one name is in 2009? Jacob for a boy and Emma for a girl. Do we have any Jacobs here tonight? Any Emmas? Ah, Emma. There you go. They also said what a name meant. And I looked up the name Michael. I just picked that out. And it said, who resembles God. And it said, for the last 50 years, it's been the most popular name. It climbed to number one for the first time in 1954 and spent 38 years in the top spot. You know, Michael was one of the seven archangels and the leader of heaven's armies in the New Testament. 
kings, saints, and emperors have been given his name. And I thought, isn't that good? I like hearing that it had a biblical meaning. And then it said this. Today, most people think of the musician Michael Jackson or basketball star Michael Jordan. And I thought, well, wouldn't use Michael if I was trying to name a child. <laughs> and then I just happened to click on Daniel, just any name, one that just seemed to pop out at me. It means God is my judge. It says in the Old Testament, Daniel was a prophet whose story is told in the book of Daniel. His enemy sent him into the lion's den where God set him free. Famous Daniels, Daniel Baldwin, an actor, didn't seem like too important to me. Daniel Boone, a frontiersman, that seemed a little more important. Daniel Jenkins, Dana's grandson, it said. Can you imagine that? <laughs> it actually said that online. <laughs> you knew something had to come. <laughs> well, names do matter. My first teaching job was in Philadelphia. And I showed up on the first day, and here were these wonderful group of third graders. And I began to tell them what my requirements were for them to the grade they would be able to earn. And I said, if you do this, you'll get an A, and if you complete this, you would get a B. And all of a sudden, all these hands went up. And I thought, wonder what that's all about. Called on a little girl, and she said, oh, no, we can't get A's or B's. Once in a while, we can get C's. And I said, I don't understand. Why? She said, because we're the stupid kids. We're all put together in one class because we're not smart, and we're not allowed to get anything higher than a C. And I was appalled that these little third graders labeled themselves. Their name for themselves was stupid. We're not smart. And I said to them, if you do this, you'll get an A. And if you do this, you'll get a B. And if you do this, you'll get a C. And we went down the line. And I want to tell you by the end of that year, most of those students earned A's and B's, and I did not make it easier for them than I would have any other third grader. Those children had labeled themselves, and they lived up to the labels that they had. Our names matter. You've heard the saying, you've probably said it yourself, sticks and, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I want to tell you that's a lie. Because the names that we call ourselves or others call us can destroy us. As a pre-adolescent, if we were labeled different or weird, some of us internalized a lifelong stigma in our own minds. Such language and experiences shaped our core beliefs for the rest of our lives. When we were constantly picked last on the playground, we were named unchosen. When we were abandoned by a parent, we were named unworthy. 
When we were abused, we were named worthless. Names matter. Let me tell you about the names that I often called myself when I was going through a divorce. Even though it was from an abusive relationship, I still felt like I was unworthy, that there was something wrong with me, that I was a failure, unloved, and nothing would ever change. The names we call ourselves matter. When we call ourselves things like worthless or pathetic, it will shape how we relate to other people. Maybe you use the word forsaken, rejected, failure, invisible, too old, too young. I should be able to do more. I shouldn't get angry. Why am I hurt? I should be happy. And the list goes on and on. Names matter. But what God calls us truly matters. And it matters more than our own inadequate and inaccurate views of ourselves. How we hear God, the sieve through which we filter God's words to us, often twists God's naming. We may hear intellectually God call us beloved, but if the core of our being is filled with shame and hurt and pain and abandonment, and if our image of God has been shaped by pictures of an angry God who picks out people to do terrible things to, if we believe that at the core, then we are not worth loving. We cannot believe that God could actually love us in the midst of our shame, could actually go to the cross for us, could actually leave us a meal and say, do this in remembrance of me because you are precious in my sight and I love you. All of those words that I listed for you, all the ones I listed for myself, thank God I know are lies. And the evil one is excited when we name ourselves by these untruths. Because when we do, we are not able to be the person that God created us to be. We can't. We have to allow God to turn our thinking, our beliefs upside down. And I discovered this in a very special way that just clarified so much of my thinking just this week when I received an email sent by a congregation member. If you turn things upside down, you can't hope for your life to change. I would be lying to you if I said that you have a great future ahead, that you could recover from your past mistakes, that your life could be filled with joy, that you can be safe and secure. More than anything you must know, human beings cannot accomplish these things. And I'm convinced of this because I know you. All you are capable of is failure. You have made a complete mess of your life and I refuse to believe under any circumstances that you can turn things around in the coming years. You may think your life is bad now, 
but there's more to come. You only have one destiny, and whether you like it or not, this is what is real. I am the Lord your God. You should know I believe exactly the opposite. I am the Lord your God. This is what is real. And whether you like it or not, you only have one destiny. There's more to come. You may think your life is bad now, but you can turn things around in the coming years. I refuse to believe under any circumstances that you have made a complete mess of your life and all you are capable of is failure. And I'm convinced of this because I know you. Human beings cannot accomplish these things. More than anything you must know, that you can be safe and secure, that your life could be filled with joy, that you could recover from your past mistakes. You have a great future ahead. I would be lying to you if I said that you can't hope for your life to change if you turn things upside down. This is the truth. Tonight, God has brought you here for God's purposes. And I want to invite you, even encourage each of you, to ask God to give you the name that he has longed for you to carry. As you come to the Lord's Supper, as you receive anointing prayer, use the time to hear God call you by your new name. Let God speak into you that new name. And as you pray, ask God to help you discern between the lies and the truth. Jesus' truth. Jesus' restoration. Jesus' love. Look at the cross and see Jesus and see your name written there. God's name written on Jesus' heart as he loved you even unto death. This night is the hope of Easter. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, your world, the world is turned upside down. I will change your name, says God. You shall no longer be called or named wounded, outcast, lonely or afraid. I will change your name. And your new name shall be confidence, joyfulness, overcoming one, faithfulness, friend of God, one who seeks God's face. You will be called by a new name. The Lord will give you that name. That song that we heard, I Will Change Your Name, was the song that turned my life around and enabled me to go from not wanting to live to understanding that God loved me completely and saw me and gave me a good new name. We're told in Isaiah, they will be called holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, sought after, no longer deserted. Your new name is real, and it is the truth. Believe it. 
Loving God, we are so thankful that you know us completely, better than we know ourselves. You see the depths of our hearts, and you call us precious, beloved. There is nothing that you would not do to bring us closer to you, even to go to the cross. Thank you, Lord. Tonight, help us to see those lies that we have heard or said about ourselves. And let us leave here with a new name. Amen.